Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is January 23rd, and another Monday night, another ten dozen minutes of Hither and Sundry and Yon with Jick and Mr. Skullhead. I am Mr. Skullhead, and Jick is somewhere in the ether. Let us phone him, shall we? Mr. Skullhead. Hey, it's Jick. Yeah. Isn't it? You're lucky. Uh, you're lucky, Mr. Scullard. You're lucky that the radio show is today and not yesterday or the day before or the day before that. Because today is the first day out of those four days that I just mentioned where I'm not uh, pretty much constantly sneezing and blowing my nose every 15 or 20 seconds. I enjoy it when our shows are comprised mostly of sounds coming out of somebody's face that's not a voice. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. How's your face? <laughs> Sorry, I was just turning off my space heater so it doesn't keep going off and on in my ear. Um, my face is uh, gorgeous and adorable as always. No. <clears throat> I think my beard has finally graduated into full beardness. It's not mm. just a, it's not a training beard anymore. <clears throat> my uh, my cylinder has finally graduated into a cylinder that can tell me how much of a liquid is in it. I'm so proud. Was there a ceremony? There was. Right. Um, it was matriculation. There was some titration and then matriculation. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> <laughs> uh, I hate it during wartime when the titration is reduced. <laughs> Does anybody? Um, yeah. What kind of war? Uh, what kind of war would there be where you were allowed fewer tit? Hmm. Like, I mean, are we are we saving the juiciest titties to send to our boys overseas? Is that what's happening? As we should. Those guys are putting their lives on the line. They should. That's see true. The finest nipples that our country has to offer. And and you know what's what's USO for if not if not shipping some some ripe ass titties over to where the action is. Yep, like uh, Bob Hope and his giant rack back in the day. Yeah, Bob Hope did have uh, some some <coughs> fucking savage titties. Yeah, <laughs> savage titties. I like it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, you know, that seems like a reasonable thing. Like, oh man, that girl had some savage tits. That seems that's like a thing you would say. She's like maybe. Uh, that girl was like that uh, blonde girl, uh, the sort of Sheena, Queen of the Jungle lady on the TV show adaptation of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's Lost World. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think her name was Sheena. Right, the punk rocker. Um, or uh, or the, the character in Chrono Trigger, the cavewoman with the savage titties. I can't help but see that every time I see it as Cronot Rigger. Cronot Rigger? Yeah, well, I don't know I mean, what a cronaut is. You're really, you're really good at driving a cronaut. Um, yeah, so so I'm no longer the uh, the sheriff of Snottingham. I feel pretty good. I feel like the whole world is open uh, to uh, is as open as my sinuses. Last night I actually went out for hot wings for dinner because I was like, you know what? I'm tired of eating things and not being able to taste them. So I'm gonna go get something that I will fucking a be able to taste through <laughs> yeah, however right. many layers of snot are on whatever thing I use to taste things. And it worked. Yeah, boy, I don't know what you also, use to taste maybe things. four liters of Killian's uh, helped. That's a I don't lot think of... I actually drank four liters of Killian's. Yeah, that is a whole lot of beer. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm probably exaggerating. I had three large Killian's. I don't know what a large Killian's is. It wasn't like that large Guinness I got in Vegas that was served in a giant plastic football. It wasn't as classy as all that. I was so excited. There was a moment where th- this is this is the kind of shape I was in. 
So we went we went to Buffalo Wild Wings, which is like just the worst kind of place, except yeah. that their chicken wings are so fucking delicious. Um, and we had tossed around the idea of like, well, let's just order wings to pick up and go get them. But then the only one is like maybe a 15 minute drive away. And we couldn't agree like on which one of us was going to go get it. And like, it seemed like a big hassle. So we're like, fuck it. Let's just, let's just go there and let, let some lady bring it to us. Um, but man, man, you really need to drink when you're in that place. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know if that place exists everywhere. I don't know how many of our listeners have been to a Buffalo Wild Wings. There's one here. Adam really likes to go, but it it has that frat vibe to it. <clears throat> so yeah, I don't get the. It's it's always like whenever I go in there, it's always just like a bunch of fat people watching football. Uh-huh. like it's 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 and there it's always full of children too. Huh. It's like fat people yelling at their kids and watching football. Um. And I don't know, you know, maybe maybe I've just gone to the maybe the ones in Mesa are more family friendly, uh, <laughs> more yeah, terrible but it's not, family friendly. But it is not the clientele, uh, you know, because I mean, I, I like I go all kinds of places that are mostly filled with fat people yelling at their kids and watching football. I guess that's not true, but it could be. Um, but it's just like there are so many televisions. Jesus. Yeah. You know, I like it. Well, it I like it now when bar. I go to a bar and like, oh, wow, this bar is great. There are only four televisions and they're small and far apart. Huh. Um, yeah, you know, that's why Europe is just better than the United States. You can often go to a bar in Europe and there are zero televisions. I, well, no, I was going to say, I feel like there are bars here that don't have it, but I don't think that's true, actually. I think they all do. I, I, I can't think of a one. Um... There are bars that don't have televisions outdoors, I guess. Like, Casey Moore's here does not have any televisions outdoors. But it does have at least one television inside. Um, yeah, anyway, so I was really happy when some football nonsense... There wasn't even anything on. Like, we got there towards the end of some sort of sports ball game, and then everybody left when that sports ball game ended. So then it was just mans talking about sports ball. Right. And then uh, there was a... There was a guy that I thought was Neil Patrick Harris, but it turned out to be some sort of basketball player. And there was Charles Barkley. And there was uh, Scotty Pippen. Uh, at which point I realized, wow, I this is, a, this is a landmark moment for me. I just successfully recognized not one, but two black dudes. Right. Which is really unusual for me. You didn't think that they were the said, same Are those dude? Denzel Washington and Morgan Freeman? But I, I accurately identified two black dudes. Um, but then, so whatever sports program ended, and American Idol came on, and I was like, fucking, thank God there is going to be something on these giant televisions other than sports. Even though it was something that I was, like, just as unhappy to see, uh-huh. was just not being sports was enough to make me happy. But then they immediately changed the channel to some different sports. Well, of course. I wish at night, when there were not a lot of people in there, late at night, say, an hour before they closed, they would at least start changing to the weird sports channels you know i would not even mind watching like there was a bar that we used to go to that had televisions but mostly what they played on those televisions were like just videos of people getting racked in the nuts trying to do a skateboard trick and like that's okay i would not mind being at a bar where there was a television and the television was playing america's funniest home videos (laughs) because you know say what you will about america's funniest home videos but that shit is pretty funny well, as long as you're a good American, you find it funny. Sure. I mean, it's just, you can't not, you can't not laugh at a dude racking his nuts on a thing. 
That's true. Right? It's the, it's the jackass principle. Even if it's staged, even if it's like, wow, these people really cruelly staged a horrible mishap befalling their helpless, innocent child just to try to win the $40 or whatever you win as the grand prize on America's Funniest Home Videos. Right. Yeah. Is that a still uh, a thing? Are they still doing that? It seems like that's... Yeah. I want to say that I've seen new episodes of it recently. You know, it seems like there's still a lot of people doing stupid stuff on ladders. So, although, is home video really a thing? It's all digital now, right? Yeah. I guess they have you upload it to their Dropbox instead of putting it in a bag and mailing it to their studio. Because it seems like everything in YouTube is America's Funniest Home Videos, too. Oh, okay. That's a good point. I guess people are still making videos like the ones on YouTube. <laughs> I guess I haven't been to like a family event in, in a long time where you would have like Uncle Videotape, who is your uncle who always videotapes everything. <laughs> right. What have you been up to? How was your weekend? Uh, uh, well, let's see. Friday night was Burns Night. That was our annual dinner at a friend's house where they have like 30 people over and we eat haggis and drink scotch and celebrate Mr. Robbie Burns. So that was pretty cool. Wait, wait was it Burns Night or Burns Night? Uh, it was Bruce Night. Okay. Bruce Dern Night. Exactly. And uh, that was cool. Uh, we had, so you, you, ate, you ate haggis? Yeah, haggis turns out is kind of delicious. It's just a tastes like sausage with some usually like a little bit of oatmeal in there for texture but okay i mean knowing what it is it seems like it would taste kind of gross because i'm not a big fan of liver or i've never eaten a kidney but uh it was delicious drank a lot of scotch somehow managed to not get drunk despite drinking a whole lot of scotch that was good we had Erin was in town for ollie's birthday so she came over she went over there with us Saturday we had Ollie's birthday party, and that was giant. What is he, three? He's three. He had a, so we had a big old cake. We had like two and a half hours of really busy, chaotic party, which, you know, like, there were seven or eight kids, and everybody got along, so that was amazing. Okay. And then I, I felt sorry for the friends of ours who don't have children, but who came to the party because they like us, mm-hmm. because I, I can't imagine the appeal. Of spending a bunch of time in a house full, just full of four and five year olds. I mean, are the kids in every room at the same time? Though it seems like that's where you have the you have the one room where the adult party happens, where everybody passes around a doobie. That when they get a little bit older, then that can happen. But you don't just leave them unattended. Now, yeah, somebody's got to cover. No, no, no. I'm saying maybe one of you or the missus go in there at a time and take a hit from the from the fat spliff, right? I'm not saying leave the kids unattended. I'm saying the people who are there who don't have kids, they could have their own little party, a grown-up party with making out and perhaps a blacklight yeah. and some disco dancing and some reefer smoking. I'm playing some LPs. Mm-hmm. On the gramophone. Yeah. So the party was tight. Uh, today we took Ollie to his three-year checkup, and they asked him a bunch of questions that are supposed to indicate how well he can reason. So, okay. like... The last time that he was there, at two years old, they asked him all of the two-year-old questions, like, what color is that? What shape is that? And then he did so well on that, they tried him on the three-year-old questions, 
which he didn't get then. And there are things like, what do you do when you're hungry? What do you do when you're tired? That kind of thing. So this time they did all those. He got those. So they moved on to the four-year-old questions and then the five-year-old questions, and he answered all of them. So he blew the doctor's mind a little bit, and that was fun. Like Occasionally would say things that the doctor was actually slightly shocked. Are you sure that this yeah. isn't just like a self-esteem specialist doctor that uh, goes out of your way to make you feel good about your kid's progress? I don't think so. I saw genuine looks of surprise. Mm. Like he maybe asked, he's just a really good. Maybe he's not a doctor, but he's really good at playing a surprise. Maybe he was TV. just a, a really good actor who was not yeah. a doctor at all, and they didn't know that because he's. What other uh, What other kinds of questions? What like so? Give, you've given some examples of the three year old questions. Are there any more that you can remember? Uh, the well, the, so the three year old questions were those. I think there were just the three. What happens when? What do you do when you're tired? What do you do when you're hungry? Um, what do you do when? the world comes crashing in on you. I mean, the answer to all of those is flip my shit and scream a lot, right? right? As I understand it. And the the higher tier questions were like, what is a ball? And Ollie said, eh, well, it's round, and you throw it. Say, so, okay, so what is a banana? It's like, well, it's a yellow, and it's got a bendy part, and you open it, and there's a banana inside. What do you do with it? You eat it. And then the high, the highest end ones were like, what is a fence? And he said, well, it's a rectangle, and then there are things that go up and down on it, and that makes a fence. They say, what's a fence for? To keep Duff from getting out. Duff's the dog. Okay. Oh, Duff is your, like, your, your roommate's dog? Yeah. Okay. So he would say, you know, what is a fence for? And it's for keeping Duff inside. Also, to keep Duff Man out. Yeah. And to keep Fud out. Right. Who is also. Is that, the, is that the neighbor's horrible dog across the alley? Yeah, it's, the, it's a. Well, <laughs> Duff, Duff is dyslexic, so he thinks that his name is Fud. Ah, uh, that'd be a pretty good name for a dog. Fear, uncertainty, and dog. <laughs> yeah. Just Fud. Better than Macho Dog Randy Savage? Uh, no. Man, did I tell you that I was listening to Stop Podcasting Yourself and some Canadian comedian talked about how she had a dog named Macho Man Chihuahua Savage? <laughs> and I was like, she not only ripped off my sweet-ass dog name, but she fucked it up and got a chihuahua. Yeah. I don't think that's as good. But now, if I name my dog that, people are going to think that I'm ripping her off. Yeah, the like 10 God. people who you're going to The 10 to people meet. who've heard both of those things, yeah. 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 Plus, I uh, I'm still not ready for a dog. I don't think. Yeah. No. You know, I think that probably what happens is that when it's time to have a kid, then that's when I get a dog. Hmm. Yeah. Because I'm pretty committed to this, like not going anywhere for five years once I have a kid. Uh huh. I- I'm serious. Like, I think I can pull it off. I hate flying. So if I can, if I can both. You know, if I can both have a, uh, you know, a reason, like, because it's a hassle to, to fly with a kid. It's dangerous. I don't want to endanger him. I want to wait until he is old enough to experience mortal peril firsthand. Mortal terror. Mortal combat. Anybody, anybody can experience mortal peril, whether they're, whether they're aware of it or not. I'm going to let him decide whether he wants to go on an airplane ride or not. And, uh, yeah. So I, I think that'll be a convenient excuse for me. You know, it's, like, really, you know what? it's really not yeah. a hassle. 
If you want to have Columbus, fine. you just fucking bring it to my yard. You can use yeah. my yard to have Columbus. I ain't going to that shit. That's what I'll say. Or I'll go and leave the kid at home. That's what I'll do. No, I know, Mr. Scullet, and I know that, like, this is one of those things where you will probably say that I will change my mind instantly um, as soon as I actually have a child. And I will say now that no, no, I won't. But, like, I'm not taking my kid out in public when my kid can scream and ruin everybody else's good time. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like, if I'm at the grocery store and my kid starts screaming, I'm going to leave. Like that's that's well, yeah, that's answer. that's what you do. But you yeah. don't just stop going to the grocery store. Right. You, you take him, you and can. when he screams, you leave, and then you come back later. But there have been plenty of times and in then, my life when I've gone five years without flying anywhere, and I right. can do another one of those. You know, or even like four years. I th- I feel like a four-year-old is past the just randomly screaming for no reason, right? Not necessarily. No. Okay. I mean, we'll see. Maybe I, I will change. Maybe you are right, and maybe I will change my tune once I actually have a kid, and I decide. You know, I would like to go do this thing, and I can't convince anybody to take my kid while I go do it, or I can't convince anybody that it is not morally reprehensible for me to abandon my child to go on, I don't know, some sort of stripper mystery train adventure that starts <laughs> in Connecticut. That's the only thing I can imagine wanting to fly anywhere for. Yeah. Why yeah. would it start in Connecticut? <clears throat> uh, well, I, I don't know. Uh, isn't it called Connecticut because it has rail lines that connect to everywhere? Hmm. And you can always get a haircut. <laughs> yes. Um, I suppose I could I could take the train there. I don't know. What about having a baby on a train? Hmm. It's probably just as bad. A train would probably be better if you get the little compartment. Yeah, because you can set, you can put up some memory foam. <laughs> so well, if your kid you... starts screaming, you could just bounce him off the walls. Right. And if well, your kid starts bouncing yeah. off the walls, there's no screaming. You, nobody would hear you beat him. But uh, yeah, they'd have more space to run around. I don't know. It, they're like two years old was kind of tricky for flying. I feel like right after he turned two. Well, no, that trip was okay. Right after he turned one, that first trip to Florida was a little bit tricky. But now, like at two and now, there are enough things that he can do that he can do in an airplane seat that he doesn't get pissed off. And now he actually understands, like, we have to do what these people tell us when we're on an airplane, and these people want you to sit in this chair right now. So I don't want to sit in the chair either. I know you don't want to sit in there, but we have to. Yeah. I guess it's all he's he's capable of comprehending that. Yeah. You know, yeah. what is a ball? What is a fence? Does daddy want to sit in this chair either? No, right. he does not. No, but I figure like that committed it's weird cuz I think, you know, I I I am not entirely averse to the idea of having a kid, right? right. But I am entirely averse to the idea of having a dog because I don't like the lifestyle changes that that would involve. <laughs> and then I think, wait a minute. I think I'm maybe not thinking of one of these things in the right way. Um, and, well, no. then, and then I realized, oh, well, of course, a dog, not a big deal at all. Well, the, the difference is the dog, the payoff you get from having a dog is substantially lower. Really? I don't know. I've yeah. met some cool fucking dogs. Yeah. I've met some cool dogs. They, and they stop at the level of development of like a two-year-old. 
Okay. Well, okay. So I guess I have not met any dogs that render me immortal the way that having a child does. Well, I've, like, Ollie is now smarter than every dog on the planet. That's not something know, that's going to happen when you get a dog. He can talk. You might, get, you might get lucky. He can, I don't know. I don't think much of dogs. To me, it's just like, I don't need a thing that's going to follow me around whining all day, that's going to make me trip over it, whose shit I have to clean out of the yard. And you know what? And like the the guy that we live with says his dog, like, it's so worth it because at the end of the day, there's someone that's so glad to see you. It's like, yeah, there's a retarded toddler who's glad to see you. Like, it is, he's glad to see a tiny piece of fried chicken on the ground. He, you get the same level of loyalty and uh, display of love for well, you know, a fucking Pop-Tart. So, okay. yeah, I, mean, that, I, I don't Well, I would definitely point. say that that is true of a cat. I, I, I think that at least... No, see, a cat, like a dog a cat doesn't front. <clears throat> sure. A cat doesn't even pretend that it likes you, and that's fine. You know, it's kind of like having a tiny security blanket that you can pet and occasionally... It, you know, you have to clean up after it. But it's not the... It, dogs are sycophants. They drive me nuts. Yeah, I don't know. Did you did you not grow up with dogs? No, not at all. You know, I grew up with dogs, and I'm, I mean, there is a... Like, I think we kind of evolved alongside them to some extent, right? Like, sure. there is... I can definitely understand the satisfaction that a guy derives from having a dog that is, like, just his... You know, it's it's like a companion that is comparatively little effort, which is weird. I mean, because like dogs, I guess, are more effort than cats. But to me, it's more of the just like, well, I would want a good sized dog. Right. Uh-huh. So I like I would want a dog that would be a pain in the ass for somebody else to take care of. Like my cat can be by herself for a week or even a couple of weeks if I put out enough food and everything is fine. Right. But like you just can't do that with a dog. I just feel so, the, the same it's a way. Having to having to hassle somebody else when you leave, but I I mean, I I think that there is a meaningful satisfaction and companionship to be derived from the relationship between a man and a dog. And I, I, I think and I, it, it is very easy illusory. to say negative things about that if you don't care about it. But I think that it's illusory. It's an it's an illusion of companionship and friendship, and that's. Okay, but does you know, that? Like, but yeah, I mean that's. I, the, I could probably be wrong about that, but I kind of feel the same way about dogs as people did about me having a kid, where people kept saying like, "Why would you want to, you know, fuck up your whole life, everything that you're doing right now, and it's just going to be such a hassle." And but the difference is like there is a payoff to having a kid, and to having a dog, your payoff is you have a dog. Right, which, I mean, moment to moment makes some people very happy. And they're, they're really, welcome to. <laughs> I mean, I like dogs, right? Like, I illusory happiness is still happiness. Right? I mean, it, it's... Well, no, I'm not saying that the happiness is an illusion. I'm saying, like, the anthropomorphism of the dog is the illusion. Like, the dog, the, the dog does not sure. fucking love you. The dog is happy to see you because you're food guy. Yeah, but, I mean, maybe your girlfriend doesn't love you. Right? I mean, like, your dog your dog will definitely imprint on... Like, a dog will be fond of a specific person. Right? Even if... Even if the, the... Like, what happens is a dog will manifest all of the fake 
things that go along with if he was fond of you without actually being fond of you, like, that's kind of the same thing as him being fond of you. Like, huh. if he is demonstrably sad when you're not there, if he is demonstrably happy to see you, right? Like, But then he's at, also, but he's also an idiot. Like, who who cares if you made this idiot happy to see you? Well, okay, but I mean, say the same thing about your child if your child is retarded, right? I mean, like... But I, like I, the fundamental difference between a dog and a child is that a dog uh, is that a child is a person, right? That shares DNA with you, presumably. Ah, that's another thing that kind of gets me when people go, "Yeah, well, what do you mean? Don't have a dog because it'll fuck up your life. You have a kid, like, yeah, that is not the same thing at all. Like, it looks the same for maybe the first three years, except that you're building this thing that can talk and learn stuff. And and eventually steal shit from you. And yeah, burn, and use you know. it to buy drugs. Right. Um, I don't know. I'm just not a dog person, and when people... The stakes are a I lot did, higher. When I, I say that, people tend to challenge me to the point where I end up saying dumb shit, but for me... Sure. I'm, I mean, I'm not saying that you should have a dog, and I'm not saying that having a dog is as valuable as having a kid. I'm just saying that I can understand why somebody would want a dog, right? right? Because I had dogs growing up, and I had what was, for all intents and purposes, a meaningful relationship with those dogs that I can look back on with uh, with a lot of satisfaction. And and so, like, it, it's it, it, you know, you can you can reduce anything to meaninglessness, right? Like that's. That's like one of the big advantages of not being religious is that you can really just, if you dig far enough into anything, you end up in just this waste of oblivion where a million years from now, everything will be exactly the same as if none of this ever happened, Uh right? And like, so it's, if everything is meaningless, finer gradations of meaningfulness become a lot more interesting. Right. And, 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 you know, well, like, ah, I do like dogs. I enjoy playing with a dog. I like, like, something that you don't get to do anymore. And maybe nobody, maybe, maybe in general people didn't get to do this. But, like, wrestling. Wrestling is fun to me. Right? And it's a thing that, like, bros maybe do a little bit. And you don't, like, you're not supposed to do that if you're, like, you know, going to listen to the Smiths or whatever, or maybe you're not supposed to do that if you're, like, going to college or whatever, but, like, you can wrestle around with a dog, and it is like, that sort of, like, pseudo-fake violent play is deeply, deeply satisfying. Sure. And it is a thing that I never get except when I'm fucking around with a dog. You know, I mean, if there was, like, a dude that I could be like, hey, check it out, and I threw a rope, and he caught one into the rope in his teeth, and then we just, like, yanked on the rope back and forth across the floor for a while that'd be pretty fun but I don't have any friends like that so like that's a thing that I can only get from a dog uh, yeah I suppose maybe it's just my maybe it's just my violence. to me the, the, the like the ability to play with a dog is not worth having a dog it's worth like somebody else's dog coming around every now and again sure and then there's also the there's also the quiet moments where you're sitting on the couch watching TV and your dog is sitting there with you sleeping. And I'm going, get off of my feet. You smell bad and you're annoying. No. No. Stop, stop drooling on my shit, you obnoxious animal. 
Yeah, because uh, the, the only dog that you know is Hooch from Turner right. and Hooch. No, like, the dog that's in our house right now is not by any means a bad dog, but he's irritating to have around. He has adorable personality quirks, like barking his fool head off anytime somebody who has dark skin walks by the door. He's kind of a, a racist. But so he sits out all day, he sits staring out the window and barks at all the black people and waits for the postman to come so he can flip his shit about the mail. Wait, is the postman black? No, but that's his only exception. You know, mailmen and black people we bark at. Okay. And then whenever we leave the house and Dan is also not in the house, he just finds a random place and poops and pees. Just like, <laughs> why would I want this fucking thing in my house? <laughs> as soon as he's... You know, the minute after he comes out of the bath, he smells bad because dogs just smell bad. I mean, wet dogs. Wet no, dogs, a, a like, dry... You, know, you don't give the dog a bath. That's why he smells bad. A dry, freshly cleaned dog smells bad like a dog smells. And just... <laughs> And just smells progressively worse over the course of a week until you bathe him and then he just smells like the normal bad dog smell instead of the, like, dirty bad dog smell. Man, my cat has learned some kind of trick, uh, I guess, for creating the rankest dumps. I've ever encountered. I mean, part of it is that now, because there's another cat in the house and I didn't like the way that they were getting along, I moved my cat's litter box into my bedroom and sort of it's like a more sealed environment in there. And the, so the litter box is like maybe six feet from where I sit most of the time when I'm at my house, uh-huh. um, which didn't used to be a big deal because my cat's litter box never really smelled. But boy, oh boy, has she learned some new uh, gut flora tricks, I guess. Uh-huh. Because Jesus. And she does not have that instinct that leads you to bury your shit. She just goes into the litter box and shits and then leaves the litter box. She's like, F that. I want to get away from that stench. I don't even have time to scrape some litter over it. So she goes. She waits till I'm home to do it. See, this is how I know that not only does my cat not love me, but I think my cat actually hates me. She only shits when I'm sitting there. Uh-huh. Could just be, and it could be a separation anxiety thing, I guess. <clears throat> but yeah, so she shits. I realize that she has shit when a wave of horrible, horrible stench hits me. I think she has decided that she is the dominant being in the house. You think? Yeah, because she's not bothering to cover up her poop, so it doesn't offend the dominant being in the house. Mm-hmm. So she. She knows that she is. You know, I'm I'm kind of done with my cats, too. I know a lot of people have animals, and then they have children, and everybody gets along great, but as soon as I had my child, it was just like, fuck these other things that are in the house. They are yeah, just I was really nuisance. surprised. I was really surprised to hear you say that you had gotten rid of Genma. That I didn't really have a choice. Yeah, I mean, and I, I would like to think that if Ada started pissing all over the place, that I would probably get rid of her, but I don't think that I would actually be able to bring myself to do it. I think I think that I, I am so attached to her that no matter what she did, I would just suffer, suffer it, because I fucking love my cat. Like, yeah, I but know it's dumb, I know she doesn't love me back, but no. like... Like, I... I really liked Genma 
but also I had these other people that I'm beholden to as well. You know, like he was making it an unpleasant environment, you know, making it hard for me to do my job at like being a dad and being a husband and both of those things like, you know, I have outgrown you. I have cleaned up your peeing on the floor and shitting everywhere for eight years and I'm just done. Like you are now the guy who is who was my really good friend in college and we did everything together, but you're still on my couch and now you're starting to like vomit on the carpet. Like I I can't do it anymore. Yeah, yeah I, I, took, I took him to I a no kill. To, I probably wouldn't be able to kick that guy out of my house either. Yeah. Well, I you still have hot stuff in there. <laughs> I uh I don't know. I have a like I have a hair trigger for ascribing sentimental value to things. This is a thing that I've realized about myself as I've gotten older, which is why I'm such a fucking pack rat. Uh, and I also, yeah, I don't know. I just I form I form attachments that are not necessarily in my best interest. No. Sometimes. Um, and then even when I'm aware that they're not in my best interest, I still have a hard time. You know, uh, like because you know, getting rid of my cat would be an an act of conflict, and I hate conflict. Even though only one of us would be aware of the conflict. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's okay if my cat believes that she's the dominant being in the house. Sure. I, I just tell people, like... Like, Mara and Adam decided to get a pit bull. And I said, you, you guys want to have kids in, like, two years, right? Oh, yeah, we do. Wait. Wait until you have the kid and see if you still want a dog. Because I'm going to bet for at least, like, three or four years you're not going to. But they went ahead and got the dog... And they just got another dog. So they're just going to have, like, huge fucking chaos. And it's going to suck for two or three years. And, you know, maybe people are willing to put up with that. But I think you have to have, like, a base level of appreciation for dogs that I just don't have. Yeah. I like cats. Okay. I, you know, I'll sit and pet the cats. But I don't know. I wouldn't say that I love them. You know what I will say though is that uh, I don't think it. I don't think the fact that it's a pit bull is material. Like, that, no, not that at is all. A, that is a cause that I actually recognize as being totally. Valid no, I only said like, it was a pit bull, as in it's a big dog. Right. Okay. A big dog. Like, that's, you yeah. know, I they're like, pit bulls just entirely really awesome have dog. a bad rap, and yeah. like it, it's just one of those things where it's like, all right, it was really easy to make a lot of people believe something that was wrong, and now everyone believes it, and it's like. Pitbulls are dangerous the way that your kid is going to find a razor blade in his apple trick-or-treating. Like, yeah. Which is to say, not really. Uh, whoa. Um, that said, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to get a t-shirt uh, that says that and walk around with a pitbull in a public park uh, like the girl that we ran into in that beer tasting thing that we went to in San Francisco last year. We talked to her for a while, and I was like, this woman cares way too much about the fact that people think that pit bulls are dangerous when they're really not. Yeah. And I mean, I guess you gotta care about something, you know? She probably said, that guy cared too much about video games, although I didn't actually talk to her about video games. But I think anybody who knows me would probably conclude that I care too much about video games. You know, in that my primary decision-making uh, basis for whether I should have kids or not is how will this impact my video games? Right. I will have to start playing more Elmo video games so that I will understand what my kid is up to. <clears throat> what are our kids going to get into that horrify us? 
Like, what could possibly... You know, do you think, like, if your kid... Like, let's say your 13-year-old daughter starts posting naked pictures of herself on 4chan. Like, I, I can imagine that that would make me really angry. Right. Right? But... And, and while it horrifies me on one level, the idea of it doesn't horrify me that much, right? It's like, yep, this is a thing that I could have imagined happening. Like, you know, like, even if our kids in high school listen to music that is literally just the word fuck repeated a thousand times, right. it's like, you know what? I'm not offended by that song. Sorry. You're going to have to try harder. Do you think they go back the other direction? Do you think they just listen to some, like, I don't know, sissy-ass Buddy Holly nonsense? Do you think they get into Lawrence Welk? Yeah, it'll be Glenn Miller. Just all orchestra, all swing all the time. Yeah, they'll be picking banjos and singing Stephen Foster songs. I don't know who Stephen Foster is. Uh, like, Stephen Foster, My Old Kentucky Home... Okay. Camptown races. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Yeah, folky, folky kind of stuff. I didn't. I don't think of Camptown races as a song that somebody wrote. Right. It seems like a song that has always existed. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I, like the only thing that would horrify me is if he's a dickhead, and he might be a dickhead for a while because kids go through phases. But like, sure. I wouldn't care if he was a football player. I would care if he was a football player who was also a bully. Okay. You know. What if he was a chess player who was also a bully? That would be kind of awesome. Okay. You know, Adam, uh, most of the fights that Adam got into at school, I learned, were beating up bullies. Which is an interesting thing. He was like the Dexter of bullies. Okay. So I don't know how I would feel about that. Like, if my son decides that he's going to get super buff and be the Batman of his school... I mean, I think on some level you would probably think that that was awesome, but on yeah. some level you wouldn't want, you know... I wouldn't want him to be violent, because, you know, I managed to get this far with the the hardest punch I've ever thrown was at you. Oh, yeah. It turned out pretty well. That was... Uh, you hit me in the arm, though. Did yeah. you? Okay. Yep, I don't... I've never hit anybody in the face. I don't think I've ever hit anybody in the face, either. Because I wouldn't want someone to hit me in the face. So, you know. I got punched in the face. No, you know, I have hit somebody in the face. Uh, There was a time when I was a kid that some older neighborhood boys came and made me and my friend, whose grandma lived across the street from my grandma, uh, and who looked exactly like me, uh, they made us fight. They said that they were going to beat us up if we didn't beat each other up. Wow, really? Yeah, and we believed it, and, and well, I don't know. I, I wasn't entirely aware of it, um, but but I walked out, and Court was like, I'm sorry, man, and then he just punched me in the nose, uh. and then I hit him a couple times, and then I went inside, because my nose was gushing blood, Yeah, and then my grandma came out and made those older boys leave, so I was, that was a weird scene didn't really create any bad blood between me and the kid though i mean it was like oh okay that was a thing that we were both just a victim of right like i only i got hit in the face once in like sixth grade and some kid punched me in the nose and it, not even that hard 
but that was just like, yep, I don't want any of that. I'm not ever getting into another fight again. Mm. Oh well, hey, we got a lot of uh, we got a lot of these forum uh, threads that we haven't gotten to apparently. Ooh, we, uh, I've been I've been going I've been pushing too hard on the radio bugbear thing, and it's like we've spent all these shows. We, we plus we just get caught up. We get caught up catching up, buddy. Yep, we should have a pre-show show where we just talk yeah. about stuff. Then then we wouldn't have anything to talk about if we ran out of questions, though. No, that's true. We we yeah. I mean, in a way, a warm-up is good. Maybe we could uh, we could learn to play some of those uh, improv comedy warm-up exercises. Oh, yeah. Start doing that. Um, which are an effort to get you past the, like, fear of humiliating yourself uh, that is that you really have to get past if you're going to do that. And, uh, boy, can I not get past that. You have to get to the joy in humiliating yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That was always my tactic when I was younger was like humiliating myself so that nobody else would get an opportunity to yeah and, I was always willing to make a fool out of myself before anybody could make a fool out of me and, and I mean that works to a certain extent like it it eases the pain but it doesn't make you any friends yeah and that makes you other friends that are that have the same tactic so you and I got along so well yeah uh, so, child rights in this uh, first forum thread. There's actually another one from last Monday that we didn't get to that I've got open, so we'll try to get through both of them. Um, on karma for 100% familiar runs. How hard would it be to code it so that you only got one set of bonus karma per run and karma from previous 100% runs got put in a queue and doled out every time you ascend it? I see it being hella tricky to code, but I remember that A, extra karma is delicious, B, CD Moyer is a wizard. You know, that's sure that that would be a solution but it's still more work than doing nothing hmm. and I you know I think it's okay that that's just not a thing that you get karma for right it's a thing that you get some leaderboards for yes you know doing leaderboard karma for those would be kind of interesting yeah thing uh, any plans to add an inventory section for currency now that we're a good half dozen more currency uh, since whenever it last got asked for yeah I could see that actually uh, and from last week's show so ignore these if you go back to the radio from the 16th well I'm not going to uh, any thought to making a replacement for the spooky putty sheet five monster copies a day on the same counter in an item of the month this year uh, boy I don't know um it seems hard to narratively justify having something on the same counter as the spooky putty sheet. Right. I don't remember why it says you can't do it anymore. Maybe because you're too scared. So, sure. Uh, B. Smith says, Any thoughts on an optional quest involving upgrading the meat car to a class-specific car? Like a bitchin' Zamboni for seal clubbers or a bitchin' pimp mobile for disco bandits? Uh, what else would there be? Though... I mean, I don't know that a seal clubber really screams Zamboni. I guess for frigid Northlands. Sure. But why not an igloo on wheels? I guess because yeah. that's not a real vehicle. Well, it, your only limit is your imagination. What would, a, uh, what would a turtle tamer's car look like? Uh, maybe like a tank with turtle-themed armor. Okay. Uh, Postamancer could have... Hey. Yeah, see, I, I, man, this is why. Because there's no good ideas. It is weird how perennial the give us a way to, to 
to rice out our meat car is. Uh-huh. Right. You should just add spoilers and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you can get a, uh, you know, you can get Bruce Willis was dead the entire time and put that on your meat car. Yeah. Have we never, have we probably made that spoiler joke before, right? I think so. It's a bumper sticker that says Snape kills Voldemort. Um, I mean Dumbledore. Dumbledore kills Dumble Snape. Uh, do you have a favorite item, says Higgy. For me, it's the bulky buddy box. The chat messages were completely unexpected, disturbing, and very amusing. Uh, you know what? I was I was looking through some stuff today, and I realized that I think I have a new answer for what my favorite item description is. Oh, I... And it is for the slime-soaked hypothesis. Slime soaked uh, hypothesis, eh? Yeah, the slime soaked hypothesis. Let me let me read it to you. Uh, let me find it. It says, "What's a hypothesis? Well, this is just a theory, but I think it's another name for a pituitary gland, which is an awesome gland because it's really easy to talk about while you're chewing tobacco." <laughs> I think now that is that is probably my current favorite thing that I've written for this game. That is pretty awesome. Because hypothesis, how is that? It's a hypothesis. Um, and I like that it doesn't say anything at all about the item, that it's just uh, just a joke. Anyway, um, what's next? Do you have a favorite item, Mr. Skullhead? Favorite item? Heh. Uh, I don't know. My favorite monster description is always the skull bat, and I think that yeah. still is. But uh, I don't know. I'll I'll, uh, I'll go look at the entire item database, and you uh, vamp for an hour. Okay, Mr. Crack says, "Jick, I'm under the impression that when you create a thread, every so often you seem to write not more than just official discuss or discussion thread. I guess you were probably busy, and that is understandable. It'd be really great though if you could take the time to be a little bit more verbose on these occasions and share a bit of info with us. No big deal if you don't have the time. It would just be cool if you would consider doing that. Thanks." Almost every time that I make a thread that is official discuss, just imagine that this text is appended to the end of it. Official discussion thread so that you don't start discussing this item that just got released on fucking page nine of a goddamn speculation thread about this thing because that is fucking confusing and annoying. Yeah. Um, that would be that would be extra text in all of those things. Um and, uh, uh, you know, the, the subtext of the uh, radio questions thread is, Hey guys, ask us some radio questions. You know as well as we do what the drill is. Right. So post some questions here. Alzir says, Are the choices selected for multiple choice adventures counted slash stored at all? I'm curious how many people select each of the options for Dr. Awkward. Warser is raw versus EGAD no bondage versus Ava can I stack rods sad ass dork cats in a cave each day. Since all three options result in the same result, or at least as far as I know, I'd assume that people just pick the one that they prefer. I know I select different options at different times, depending on how I feel at the time. So it may be interesting to see if one option is selected more often at certain times. You know, a surprising number of people have asked that also. Huh. And uh, no, that I don't think... I don't think selecting a, an individual choice in a choice adventure is something that we log. Um... And I don't know that it would be worth it to, to do that. It's it's weird, man. Like, 
so much data that you think would be useful is not really useful and so much data so many so many things that you think of that you're like oh man it would be really neat to know this is always something that you haven't been keeping track of yeah. so really you're just always fucked I can't imagine clicking anything except Ava can I stack rods sad ass dark cats in a cave yeah, neither can I. And I, and I have to I have to imagine that many people, if not most people, feel the same way. Yeah. Oh, for uh, the record, my uh, right? for the record, my favorite item description is still deadly nightshade. This, yeah. This flower belongs to a curious group of items, including the deadly nightlight, the deadly nightstand, and the deadly radio alarm clock. It's also known as belladonna, which in Italian means beautiful woman, and in English means a deadly poison. Not that I'm saying. Anyway, it's a pretty flower. Just don't eat it, which is a decent rule of thumb with most flowers. And with most thumbs, now that I think about it. We're it, pretty funny, Mr. Scott. I like it because it just keeps going. We make, a, we make a living writing funny jokes. And I like to point that out to people whenever I make a joke that really is terrible. Right. Like if I say something at the bar and everybody's just like, good one. Yeah. That's what I like to do. Uh, Zenosa says Jake somebody asked on a recent show about the thing with no name boss from the Kloop content I believe they were wondering if if it follows a similar drop system as the Hobopolis bosses in that the number of consumables that would drop would increase incrementally the more item drop you have you seem to confirm this was true I just fought the thing with no name with 800% item drops and it only dropped one consumable and one skill book are you sure it works this way uh, no I'm sure it doesn't work that way and I'm also sure that I never said that it worked uh, that way but it is definitely possible and tested and verified to get the thing with no name to drop multiples of its consumables. I think you guys just haven't figured out how to do it yet. Wow. It's pretty obvious if you think about it. Um, Keta says, can we please have a multi-make button from the miscellaneous discoveries page? <sighs> yeah, I, I do recognize that that is a gap in the interface that probably could use getting filled because as it stands... It's a big hassle. If you have like a thousand palm fronds and you want to make, you know, 30 palm frond fans or whatever, there's just no way to do that without click, type, click, click, type, click, click, type, click, click, type, click 30 times. Uh, Grave says, I added a ton of items to my mall, and after I updated all the items' prices, I clicked update prices. Then the game proceeded to kick me out for not being logged in. <laughs> oh my. Uh, could mall prices update automatically like the account options do, or can we have an option for that in the options? Also, I want Mr. Scully to know that I heard somebody on NPR use the word quotidian on the radio show, and I knew what it meant because of him. Thanks for making me smarter. Yeah, you know what? I, I know what that word means because of you now, too. Yeah. That's why I did it. I, I just like to drop knowledge. You know what I'm saying? I, you know, I do like that by, by our affinities for weird words and cool words that we... We actually do teach people stuff. I mean, it's like, I don't necessarily, like, I don't think that a guy who writes a book that I read that had a weird word in it that I then looked up, I don't think of that guy as, like, having done anything, you know, really virtuous. Like, uh, oh, good good on you, guy. Like, you got some karma for teaching me a thing, but I'm glad that you did it. And I'm, you know, I'm glad that we're able to... I am glad in a, in a totally pride-free way that we are able to do that for people. Right. Like that kid that emailed me, and he was like, hey man, I didn't know about contact juggling until I saw the item, the glass balls of the Goblin King, and that led me to look some stuff up on Wikipedia that led me through into learning about this thing, which I then got super into, and now I'm a professional contact juggler. Like, cool. It's, 
Like, it's what hard a weird to be, story. Yeah, it's hard to be proud that you made somebody into a contact juggler, but uh, yeah, it really is. But I mean, you know, it. No, I, I kid. Like, if somebody can earn a decent living doing shit like that, right on. Yeah, what are you gonna do? I mean, maybe you know, it might not be a decent living. It might be like a Renaissance festival living. Right. I was thinking about you yesterday because I was thinking, hey, I bet the Renaissance Festival is on. I should go see it, like Mr. Skullhead always does. Oh, I forgot your uh, your Ren Fair's in like February and March. Is it? Yeah. Okay. I always know it's beginning of the year style. Yeah. Um, it has been so fucking gloomy here again. There was like a couple days where it was sunny and my mood was dramatically improved. That's why I was in such a good mood Monday when we did the radio show. And then I almost immediately afterwards got a cold, and then it got all gloomy again. I'm beginning to think that maybe my mood determines the weather, rather than vice versa. Yeah, I think so. Because you're all, well, everybody gets sad when it rains. And I'm all, it rains because you're sad, baby. Yeah. The sun shines in the bedroom when we play. The raining always starts when you go away. Something that would kind of make sense, right? Like, let's imagine that the way free will works in a deterministic universe is every time there is a quantum split of circumstance, you, in some way, by some mechanism that we don't understand, choose which thread you want to follow, right? So it would, under that set of circumstances, be reasonable to think like, oh, well, okay, maybe the weather does change because I'm sad. Like, causality kind of goes out the window, if you start thinking about uh, picking your way through a multitude of possibilities of every possibility, right? Maybe that shit is just crazy. But I like it because it ties, like, hippie mystical nonsense into uh, some something that resembles science. You know, like that one where there's all those different wharfs. <laughs> um, you know, uh, San Francisco, the place with all the different wharfs. Uh, is it possible, says Apple Hat, to increase the number of tome summons we have in Aftercore? You can make it proportional to the number of tomes we have. My tomes are gathering dust on the bookshelf. Yeah, I honestly am not averse to, outside of Ronin and Hardcore, letting you use all of your tomes once a day. It is it is non-trivial to do that, I guess, uh, code-wise. I'm sure that it would only take ten minutes. Um, and I keep thinking that I should do it, and then I keep not doing it. So I should do that. I'm thinking that now, that I should do that, is what I'm thinking. Uh, you know what I'm actually kind of thinking is that I have to pee, and that I have to get another beer, and that this would be a good time to take a break, if you were amenable to taking a music break. Sounds good. Uh, we can have, like, 13 minutes or 16 minutes. Let's take 16 minutes. All right. Because this might be a really long pee. We're taking all of the break. And we're back. Hey, how's it going? Hey, what'd you do on that break? Did you pee? Oh, uh, Yes. I got a new beer. Okay. I the went and life. dicked around on the internet for a couple of minutes. Excellent. I looked at some funny pictures or something. I don't know. Um, I saw a picture of some boobs with some uh, faces from a Dragon Quest slime photoshopped onto the boobs. That sounds like the kind of thing that the internet would provide you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very, it's very internet. Uh, you know the the quality of the Skype call keeps altering in weird and unpredictable ways. Hmm. Like for a while you sounded fine, and now you sound like you're from the seventies. 
Yeah. And I guess you are from the 70s, from a certain point of view. Yeah, from that's right. From a certain point I, of view... That's where I started. Yeah. <clears throat> Disco Daryl says, when I ignore people, it only makes them invisible to me. Could you please change it so that it also makes me invisible to people that I block? No. That why, isn't the way that why do you ignoring care? people works. Yeah. Well, when he blocks somebody, he, he just knows. He knows that they're still in chat responding. I sort of hate the idea of ignore lists because of the weird, just sort of like split reality thing that it creates for people who are involved in conversations with those people uh-huh. and the potential for drama that that creates. Um, you know, I, I won't put anybody on an ignore list really under any circumstances at all um, because of that. But I get why people want it. I get, you know, I get why it's a thing. But yeah, also JLE points out later in this thread that like, no, because uh, then that would make it so if you ignored a mod, you'd be able to talk and the mods wouldn't be able to see you. And then I'd be like, well, let's make it so you can't ignore mods, but then like, no. <clears throat> Elfin says, is there any chance we could have a blue one-line description for familiars? Something like the description in Mr. Store. Makes you find more items or attacks your enemies or whatnot. Yeah, that is a thing that I would like. Um, with close to 100 familiars in my possession, Elfin continues, I have no idea what most of them do. The base familiars, like a leprechaun, make sense narratively. That's sort of. Um, but when I look at something like a piano cat, neither the name nor the haiku clue me into what it actually does. We used to be better about the haikus explaining what the familiar did. Right. But now they're like, oh, it plays the piano and meows. <laughs> um, yeah, I am not averse to that. One thing that I did, um, I uh, this is some groundwork for the next challenge path, but it's also a thing that I've been intending to do. I made it so I well, I made it so CD Moyer made it so uh, passive skills now use the same code that effects do. So the thing that a passive skill does is now stored in the database rather than hard-coded into the function that builds the player object. Mm. Um, so that makes it trivial to display what a passive skill does. So uh, I'm waiting to make sure that I didn't fuck anything up. Uh, on dev, I converted every passive skill over to using the new system uh, this afternoon. And I want to make sure that nobody sees anything weird. But probably tomorrow... I will roll that out, and then you will start seeing blue text explaining what all passive skills do. Um, and yeah, I I would like that for familiar. Some of them, it's going to be really hard to describe them in a sentence. Because like, I mean, we're gonna. I guess we just have to develop a vocabulary, right? Because for the ones that, you know, drops a remote control that lets you attune yourself to a teleporter that lets you adventure in three new zones on the moon. Mm. Right? Like, no. No. Um, you know, gives you more items and unlocks new zones. Uh, something like that. I think we could get a vocabulary for that and use it, and it would be fine. Because, uh, like, Adding another sentence that we have to write to every familiar when it's just a, like a what does this familiar do sentence uh, is not really that. It's not any more work than writing the sentence that already goes into Mr. Store, yeah. right? So we could just do that. Um, yeah, I do like that idea. Uh, 
Spriteless says, Will Ennis 15 unlock the library across from the sleazy back alley, the frigid north, or distant lands? Will Ennis 15 ever come to exist at all, or will you wait to worry about it after revamping the quests in order? Uh, do you plan to have more things to spend karma on for those who don't want any more skills? Uh, yeah, eventually I'd like for there to be some stuff to spend karma on for those that don't want any more skills. That was part of the original design doc that just fell by the wayside as we uh, started wanting to get the Valhalla revamp done in finite time. I don't think NS15 will uh, come to exist. The way that curve works, there would just be... We would have to put way too much into the level's 13 and 14 quests in order to be able to satisfy anyone, really. Yeah. Um, just because it takes so long to, to level through those levels. Um, yeah, I think the library across the street from the Sleazy Back Alley is going to continue to be a joke. I... I'm actually pretty enthusiastic about a content familiar that opens a set of Wild West zones that would probably be set in Distant Lands. Because Distant Lands is always either the Wild West or our world, however we, yeah. however we, we need it. Um, and, you know, it could be that Distant Lands is our world, but the West still hasn't been won or advanced technologically since the late... Uh, 1800s mm. um, I really would like to do I am really excited theoretically about the idea of a fantasy western role playing game I think that that is a genre that could be exploited really well and that I don't think ever has been somebody emailed video games hot dog and talked about the wild arms series and said that was that kind of thing like gunslinger the RPG sure yeah yeah exactly because, um, you know, you could do... I mean, it's fantasy, so you can do any... Like, oh, well, so there's also this ancient, high-technologically advanced... Let me start that over. There is an ancient, high-tech civilization that you occasionally encounter ruins of in a box canyon. Or right. next to a teepee. Um, also, Indians are wizards. Yep. What was um, the name of that... Uh of the thing that we played? Deadlands. Deadlands, yeah. Yeah, which was awesome, right? Because it yeah. was like, well, it's Old West, except there's undead. It went, like, it had the same, that setting in my mind is pretty awesome, but kind of has that, like, shadow run problem where it tried to bite off more than it needed to chew. Think so? You know? I do, a little bit, actually. Um... I mean, it, you know, and it, it needed backstory. It needed backstory. Like, I, I shouldn't, I should not criticize it because it's great at at being what it is, right? Yeah. Well, my uh, my nose is just rapidly stuffing up and making it harder to talk. Do I sound weird? No, you sound as uh, dulcet as always. As as nasal as always. Yeah. Don't worry as that your talk. your nose is going to get clogged and you'll sound less nasal. Yeah. Okay. Um. I don't know what it is that I don't like about Deadlands. I kind of think that I just want the American West plus magic. I mean, and there's going to be there's going to be the temptation to go like Wild Wild West steampunky. Right. Because was there that was something some that you should technology. resist. No, probably not. I think the idea that steampunk is over is an idea that I think we should resist. Right. Cuz that shit ain't over. That shit ain't over until the fat lady sings all with a bunch of gears glued to her. Right. 
Um, my question says, Erich would also include my two cents about this. And these say, quotes the blue one-line descriptions for familiars. I agree that familiar should have a little more in-game transparency, and I thought the Scarecrow was a prime example. Jake, I know you didn't want to spoil, so to speak, the mechanics of that familiar, and it was fun for the spades to figure it out, but what about new players that month? A new player would not only require the wiki and the forum, but also the time it takes for spades to figure out all the pants in order for it to make sense to them in the slightest. No. See, that is absolutely incorrect. A new player would see that this was a familiar that they could put pants on, and they would put pants on it and see what it did, and they would delight in the things that it did, right? A new player would need the wiki if this is a new player who also desperately needs to understand what every last number means in the game, and I think that this is an animal that does not exist. Um, So... I think you're wrong about that. And I think certainly the, there wouldn't be blue text on the bottom of the, the Scarecrow familiar that is just a list of every pair of pants in the game and what the Scarecrow does if it's wearing those pants. Because what the Scarecrow does is it wears pants and does different shit based on what the pants are that yeah. it's wearing, right? And like, I in think that's like enough that of a hook. it does a million mysterious things, it's okay that they're mysterious. Yeah. Right? It gives you something to discover. And, you know, how much consideration goes into what would a new player think about this item when you make it? I joined the month of the Haiku Katana, and that was pretty transparent, despite Haiku Combat. So, the consideration that goes into what would a new player think about this item is always exactly the same question, and it is, why would a new player think that this was awesome? Right? And that is often an entirely different question than why would a dick-stabbing speed ascender think that this that this item is awesome, right? So yeah. things that a new player thinks are awesome is does a bunch of damage. Uh, you know, lets you see new stuff that you couldn't see otherwise, right? Like makes a number bigger than the things that you find that aren't in Mr. Store, right? And it kind of doesn't matter what the number is. But that that is absolutely a factor in every Mr. Store item that we do is, would this be awesome to somebody who didn't know why plus an extra burst of plus non-combat was important or whatever, right? Like, And it's not, is this useful to a new player? Because to a new player, everything is useful, right? Because yeah. every day they're finding new ways to be better at the, at the things that an experienced player has long since mastered. Right, so there are. It is a lot easier to make a thing impressive to a new player, and, you know. And so the, the the challenge is always in like, how do we make this interesting to somebody who does deeply understand the systems of the game? And it's it's often like, oh, well, we need to throw something onto this that makes it awesome for a new kid, and that's that is always fairly easy, right? It's like take an existing number and add five to it. Yeah, and I resist um, the yeah, idea that we're. That we're somehow tricking a new player by giving them something that doesn't appeal to a speed ascender. That no, not yeah, not not uh, yeah. Because that, that that's what I'm sensing that. here is like, well, is it okay for you for the you to just let them think that this is awesome when actually it's totally shitty? I'm like, well, for that guy, for that guy, it is awesome. So I mean, I think the thing that made the haiku katana awesome was that it made it so you could put the whole game into haiku mode. Right. Right? Because that's, that's awesome. Like, one of the ways to make something awesome is to have it do a whole bunch of stuff, even if none of that stuff is particularly interesting to right. a speed player. Right? 
And that's where we often end up, like, getting... We will often make something that is too powerful because we try to, like, oh, well, you know, we had a couple of ideas for what the actual application of this is going to be, but it needs to be more sort of exciting, and so we end up thoughtlessly creating something like the stocking mimic or whatever, where it's like, oh, a new player would like it if this drops him candy all the time in combat, but then it's like, oh, no. It turns out that this is, like, it ends up being optimal to do some weird thing with it under some circumstances because of the extent to which it can gain weight or whatever. I don't even remember what the deal is with the stocking mimic, but I know that there are things for which it is optimal, and we never wanted that to be... You know, we didn't set out to design a thing that was optimal under these weird circumstances. We set out to... It's like, sometimes our goal is just for it to be fun, and that's fine. Like, usually that is when we are we are flush with the infusion of money from a previous Dick Stabber favorite right? Uh, the previous month. And then we're like, you know what? Like, like December's familiars are often just like, oh, let's make some fun Christmas thing, right? And not care so much about whether this... Because, like, December's always a good month for us anyway, right? So we don't need to worry about, like, targeting any markets, right? Like, let's just make something that is just fun. Um, and sometimes we succeed and sometimes we fail. <laughs> um... Sometimes I'm it's looking a at you, reindeer. Um, so yeah, that I mean that is that is the sum total of the consideration that goes into it, and it is it is critical. I mean, I like I will not let something exist without a satisfactory answer to that question. Uh, Jeeves Janer says, "I demand muffins. Have you ever had chocolate chip cherry muffins? They are pretty damn delicious. And I know you like things that are pretty damn delicious. Where do you come down on muffins? I can do a muffin. Muffins are all right. I think that if I, like, I sort of consider a muffin to be like a like it's a treat kind of thing. Uh-huh. You know, like I think of it more as like dessert." I wouldn't Cause really eat it's one sort of for, like a cookie. Yeah, I wouldn't eat one for breakfast every morning. But yeah. I, I would like, eat one for breakfast. And you know, I don't know why I feel that like a bagel probably has the exact same calories and the exact same composition as a muffin, right? Or even like a cornbread muffin, I don't think of that. It's not, it's not the muffin form factor that makes it that. But like under any circumstances where I thought that it was acceptable to eat a muffin, I would rather eat a donut. And so um, I will just always eat a donut. I like uh, your, like, blueberry muffin with the streusel on top of it. That's pretty tasty. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I do... I have a... I would like a bite of somebody's blueberry muffin every once in a while. I think I almost never want an entire blueberry muffin. Yeah. Especially if it's, like, the giant size blueberry muffins you get at, like, Costco. Yeah, your capacity of, for eating, like, eight tablespoons of sugar... In your breakfast entree is pretty low. Yeah, you know, I like I sort of think of like pancakes with syrup on them as a, a special breakfast and not like a normal breakfast. Right. And it is weird because it's just it's just the sugar and and like th- that is like a good dietary shorthand for like a way to avoid eating too much. But at the same time, like, and this is this is largely when I am. When I am traveling long term and I and I'm staying somewhere that I can walk to a cafe in the morning, I will eat a bagel every single morning for breakfast, and that's a lot of fucking food. Yeah. 
you know and I don't know why like I would be so grossed out by eating the same amount of food in pancake form every morning but you know the the saltiness of the bagel I don't even really like sweet cereals anymore it's like grape nuts with milk it's like sweet keeps, enough on its own keeps you regular too <laughs> yeah it does oh if only I drink way too much for anything Dane is grape nuts to have any hope of keeping me regular Mr. <laughs> uh, some bloke says have you guys seen Star Wars Uncut uh, I think yeah that's that's making the rounds uh, if you have what did you think of it if you haven't watch it I watched the first like maybe 10 minutes of it and I don't know if I can actually sit and watch that entire thing yeah. Are you aware of this? Yeah, I'm, I'm aware of it, and I thought it looked really cool, but it also looked like something that you could get the gist of it in three minutes. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember when they put out the call for this, and I, you know, I had considered at the time, like, oh, I should check out one of these one of these sections, you know, and, and, yeah. and do something. But then I was like, no, no, you know, this is a thing where I would just bite off more than I could chew. Or bite off more than I was willing to chew. I'm not going to commit to something that I can acknowledge I'm probably not actually going to get around to doing. Yeah. Like, its nature as a collaborative product or project made me made me unwilling to participate for fear of letting down my collaborators. <laughs> um, also, I've never made a single piece of video content ever. Um but yeah, I was excited about the. It seems like this has been years in the making too. Like I feel like this, when I saw this project announced, that was in like 2007 or something. Yeah, it seems like it's been a couple three years. Mm. Uh, Togapika supports the idea of upgrading the meat car to the class specific car. Uh, also says pickomatic lockpicks plus a perplexing door. Oh. Uh, uh. Uh, also, can star equipment says Keta be added to the miscellaneous discoveries page? No, that one's that one's rough because it doesn't work via any of the mechanisms that that page and that feature is capable of supporting. Um, you know, if if the star chart was not consumed on use, like. Something that I think we could benefit from is a generalization of the this is an item that you can make given the following ingredients and the following quantities. Because mm. there are a lot of places in the game that do that and they're all they all work differently and they don't have a consistent interface and they don't have a they don't have a discovery mechanism and the fact that the Well, I mean I guess they, they almost always involve, like, you talking to a dude, right? Yeah. There's the, the pixel stuff and, uh, you know, the, the eventual undersea equivalent of that, uh, which nobody knows about except us. And what else? The toy making in the, in the what's-its. And that's, like, a thing that I have to make somebody do every year. I've never written one of those myself. I don't know. That is not true. Uh, Roderick. The chef staff guy. Mm. I coded. I coded that myself, and that's that's like bullshit. The way that that's done because it's like it requires a booze item and a, some food. Like it's it's weird. It's it, yeah. Some generalization. Like if I had it to do over again, 
And, you know, sometimes I have something to do over again, like passive skills. And that was weird. That was like a pretty fundamental change on the back end. But because there are so few passive skills, um, as it turns out, uh, it only took a couple hours. It was probably a couple hours of CD Moyer's time to divide, to, to, to add the feature of, eh, you know, it was standing on the standing on the shoulders of, of Xenophobe's crazy-ass reverse Polish notation code for the way that effects work and now passive skills and something else we did something else outfit bonuses use that yeah. rpn thing it's very simple to do something like you know muscle plus three but it is exceedingly confusing to do something like plus 10 percent meat drops unless you're wearing a saucepan in which case plus 15 percent meat drops like that's trivial to do if you're hard coding it uh but tricky to do in a thing that only speaks RPN. Hmm. I guess the interpreter was trivial to write. Like, writing an RPN interpreter is like a sort of freshman computer science <laughs> exercise. Um, and it is very powerful. It is just really not very friendly to use. I guess a lot of people get into that, like, oh, I learned how to use RPN on my TI-89 or whatever. I threw it into that mode, and it's great. But, like, I never did that. I never gave a shit about no fucking math. Um, inflatable Hobo Clown says, Who is anti-ogrimacite, and why is she exhorting me to do something presumably sleazy with clovers and baboon milk? I have no idea what you're talking about. Say what? Uh, let's see. Hey, fellas, says the dog delusion. Two questions. Uh, at the risk of sounding over-suggestion-y, I know you've talked about doing something to spice up Little Canadia. What about setting up the super-secret Canadian mind control device to go all the way up to 30 or something? That might turn some heads. Or break the game. I don't know. Yeah, you know, that's as good an idea as any. Because, um, you know, there's no reason that that shouldn't just be 11 where the others are 10, right? Yeah. If it's going to be different, it should be different. That was a, an effort to make it special, and it clearly didn't work. And two, at the risk of perhaps overstepping my bounds as a player, no, 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 we want you to take those risks. I'd like to make a suggestion regarding the quest tracker. If there's anything in the entire game that could be done at least in part by the player community, I believe that it's helping to write useful and accurate hints slash updates for the quest tracker. Uh, I know that there's a lot of coding slash developering involved in setting up the triggers for when it says what, but insofar as what it actually says, that's the part that's proving troublesome, difficult, a pain in the ass. I can think of a better... I can't think of a better place to go for input than the very community that's made a hobby of playing these quests over and over, dozens and even hundreds of times. Of course, if that's not the sticking point, feel free to ignore me. That isn't the sticking point. Uh, often, the sticking point is that it is... Oh, well, so the sticking point now is me not wanting to write quest tracker code for quests that I know I'm going to change in short order. Uh, short order... Is, means a different thing than it used to oh, now that that could be years off and you know I talk about what things are a good use of my time and what things aren't and I would find it pretty hard to argue with somebody if they said you know I think that you should probably spend a couple of days just adding the rest of the mainline quests in the game to the quest tracker without revamping the quests and I would say, you know what? You're probably right. <laughs> um, but they do not often break down into sane things to put on that list. 
right? Like the level 11 quest, there are points at which the next step has nothing to do with anything that you've ever seen. And I think that the problems with that are twofold. Uh, one is that it's impossible to present that information in a way that makes any sense because it just doesn't make any sense, right? They're like, oh, okay, well, you're... Like, I don't even remember how it works exactly, but you need, you know, you need to go to the shore, you need to go to the black market, you need, I don't even remember. At some point, in the middle of something that has nothing to do with the shore, the thing that you're supposed to do is go to the shore and get the dinghy plans. Yeah. And, you know, so that you can go to the hermit and get the planks, make the dinghy, go to the island, do the shit that you have to do with the pirate quest. Oh, it's it's level nine. It's to get the fucking dictionary, right? Yeah. And, there is not a sane way to present that in the quest tracker, but we have an awesome we have an awesome idea that I think we can crank out in a couple of days for the revamp of the first part of that quest. At least you'll still be able to do it the way that you're doing it now. But there's another slower and more simple way that we've already like it's already mostly written in our heads, I think, and it's going to be funny. <laughs> and I'm excited about drawing the thing that I get to draw for it. Um, so I appreciate it, but that's that is not the thing that's holding it up. The the way that the quests work, it, it, this this whole game was such a just weird, organic, long term accretion of one thing onto another thing that it's just not. You know, when we design a quest now, we design it with a discrete s- series of steps in mind, as opposed to like, oh, how can we incorporate this random thing that's been sitting around for six months? that people keep saying, oh, there should be a thing that we can do with this thing, right? <laughs> Which was the early design process. Uh, WVO Quint says, do you have any grand but unrealized visions for what KOL could be in the future? Have you ever had any grand visions that have not panned out for some reason? Oh, the sea. <laughs> I've had a lot of dreams about what KOL could be in the future. Like, like a yep. musical... That was interesting. I was at a play and there was a live action acted out trailer for Kingdom of Loathing the Musical. Uh, there was one where it was like a Grand Theft Auto clone. Cool. It seemed kind of nice. I was still, I, I was so mad that you didn't consult me in making the Kingdom of Loathing Musical because it <laughs> seems like. Yeah, that would have been right up your, right up your alley. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think that KOL. I, I think that the moment-to-moment things that you're doing when you play KOL is not going to change because it wouldn't be KOL anymore if it did. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, I'd like for... I'd like for there to be more uh, content that doesn't uh, create more complexity, right? Like, I'd like for there to be thousands of little quests that you can do for various people in various places and new zones that don't exist except to provide some jokes and some flavor but it's hard to do that in a way that doesn't convolute the the you know the average person's ability to comprehend what the fuck is going on having the quest tracker leading all the way through will i think free me up to have a lot more little rat holes in various places because when the way the game works now you never know what you might need from anywhere. And so if we add 10 more anywheres, we have dramatically increased the difficulty of a thing without even thinking about that thing. 
and that's annoying. You know, I would like for there to be a swamp with some stuff in a swamp. For instance, <laughs> a swamp would be cool. <clears throat> um, Harry Pesto says, crown functions for the gruesome Kloop anytime soon? Yeah, you know, I knew when I said, hey, let's not scramble to do this at the last minute, that that meant that it was going to be months before we did it. We should chat about that on our conference call. Yeah, we should. Uh, Ukibia says, Jake, a lot of times you talk about players who'd rather stab their own dick for 10 points than fuck the prom queen for 9, but can you take a look at this screenshot? And then he links to one of the chess puzzles, and he says... I'm working through the chess puzzles, and I've yet to find a prom queen amongst all the dicks I'm forced to stab. I don't think anyone can solve that chess problem without an external aid of some sort. My question is, what sort of mechanisms in place do you have to ensure players can enjoy content without relying heavily or entirely on the wiki? And what are your thoughts on the fact that sometimes players may have to use the wiki to figure things out? Well, so my response to that is to make it so you don't have to use the wiki to figure out how to get through the core arc of the game and figure out, you know, start to sorceress to ascension but then the optional stuff anything is fair game i don't think that any of those chess puzzles are unfair right i think that every one of them has been solved by somebody who was interested in and good at that kind of thing without having to resort to spoilers or automation yeah you you know i mean th- there is a finite possibility space for the moves that you can make in those puzzles and I think it would be a greater failure if the hard ones weren't hard you know like that is that is optional content in every sense of the word optional and so I think it's fine for there to be things that are going to confuse some portion of the player base because you know like there are parts of a lot of things that you're not necessarily interested in because you're interested in the other parts. And that's fine. Uh, Cuddlehut says, The wizard action figure. To make it not overpowered at the time, its equipment breaks after 25 to 40 turns. It seems its overpoweredness is no longer an issue, so would you consider extending the durability tenfold, i.e. keeping the flavorful breakage but reducing the fiddlesomeness? Yeah, I would actually have no problem with that at all. Um... And then Kodakum says, any chance of a hipster replacement? The burning of delay, that is. Oh, what else would do something like that? I mean, a familiar that having it started fights with monsters that you couldn't fight otherwise, like, that's... That's an interesting possibility space for us, right? Possibility space, Mr. Skullhead. It's it's right next door to push space. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, though, did people like that aspect of the hipster? Like, I mean, would somebody like? Let's imagine that the feast of Boris was an item of the month instead of a holiday. Like, it was a familiar, and it was like, it was the familiar that was the Thanksgiving shit really hates this worm. <laughs> there we go. Um, and so you adventure with the worm, and maybe he's a volleyball. Uh, because he says hello and smiles at you, uh, but he also causes it to be Feast of Boris. Right? I mean, w- is that fun? Because people did not necessarily seem to enjoy... Like, the hipster didn't sell very well, right? Yeah. And I don't know why that was. Maybe maybe it was because it was it was like the, the player base collectively decided to play a joke on us that was like, hey, wouldn't it be funny if a 
if a familiar based on a property that should have made a bunch of money but didn't should make a bunch of money but doesn't <laughs> um, you know maybe I, I can imagine a, a not if not a cosmic joke a committee joke being played on us nice. uh, I mean it could have been that the content was weird I, I don't know I think it was uh, another case of everyone that we know loves Scott Pilgrim and we don't know all that many people yeah it could be the you know the paranoiac the paranoid android Hmm. and it turns out all of the other robots in the kingdom are out to get him Kenneth says Jick are you aware of the horrible lag that's been plaguing the kingdom lately and do you know what's causing it slash is anything being done to fix it is that a thing I have not seen any reports other than this recently um, we are running on fewer web servers than we would like to be, and later this week I'm going to go into the data center and install the new servers that I've... Because they didn't... Like, the, the, the shipment on these boxes got delayed so long that we were in the middle of the sort of December rush by the time they actually showed up at the office. And so now they've become this looming thing i got to do. <laughs> rather than this, like, I can't wait for these servers to show up so that we can get them put in there. Um, yeah, but I promised I promised Jeff that I would go to the data center later this week. I said I didn't want to go down there when I had a cold. I like, I will frequently get a cold as a result of going to the data center. <laughs> or, <laughs> what do you suppose? I think it is, I become aware of a cold as a result of going to the data center because it's like, you go into a room that is extremely cold and extremely windy. Um, and so, like, if you have any sinus issues at all, they are magnified a hundredfold by being in that in that sort of room. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there were, like, twice in a row that I went to the data center and ended up knocked on my ass with a cold, and so now I'm afraid of the data center. Um, hey, guys, says she got glasses on. I posted this question two weeks ago, but it didn't get gotten to, and I didn't hear it or see it in the trans. Blah, 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 blah. Is there any reason we can't auto-sell s'mores? I have more than I can ever eat. Maybe you can make them into something we can multi-use to build things, or let me feed them to a familiar or something. In hindsight, it would have been lovely if I could have used them for candy credits. Thanks. I don't know. Is there any reason you can't auto-sell s'mores? No, I don't. I think we just forgot to put that in there. Okay. Uh, also, says Top1214, things which increase as the player levels up, like Nemesis Familiars and Nebut, are really narratively satisfying and neat. Difficult to suss out, but neat. <laughs> uh, and then he says, Reason, I may have been a little sad after perming Nebut and hearing it didn't work like I thought, but still, neat. And Psyche writes, Speaking of Quotidian, Mr. Skullhead, when I saw the elf calling me quoted, I figured it out and then was gratified when you explained that it was exactly what I thought it was. Anyway, so Jake, as a person who also has an ever-expanding and guilt-inducing to-do list, I thought that instead of working on mine, I'd mull over how you could narrow yours down. What about this? Surely some player out there knows enough about both coding and KOL that you could hire them as a contractor for some set number of hours, hand them a list of tedious function updates you'd like to see done, mall interface changes and other little stuff that people complain about, and just have them and just tell them to have at it. Well, yeah, I mean, that person is C.D. Moyer. Right. Um, I, I don't know. I have a hard time trusting somebody with access to this code. Um, you know, it took a while when I first hired Xenophobe. It took a long time. Like I was just having him write, like he wrote all of the spindlers and stuff, and that was more just like making sure that he was had his had his feet with the database and stuff like that. And it's. 
I don't know that our problems with getting shit done. I mean, a, I don't know that our problems with getting shit done are remarkable, right? I don't, and I don't know that they represent any sort of failing in us, other than just being really transparent about all the things that we intend to do, hmm. and and working on a product as people are using it, right? Which I, I think is, you know. We wouldn't have this problem if we updated KOL once every six months in one giant expansion that was t- in testing for months. <laughs> you know, we wouldn't introduce it, but, but we don't do that. We add stuff every week or two, and, you know, when you do that, you're going to break some shit. That's just how software works. Um, throwing dudes at it doesn't seem like the right solution. Although I do appreciate it. I, and I know, I know that this suggestion was coming from a trying to make everyone happier, uh, in, including and possibly mainly us, because <laughs> um, I know Psyche's got our back. Uh, this other radio show thread question. Let's see how we let's see how we can get how far we can get in this. Nightball says, "I miss my hideous wing Yeti seed. Can I visit him somehow? Build a cage in my campground and non-combat at the peak? Something? Yeah, I should do that." It's always been intentional. Also, a non-KOL comment, but when I suggested the Abhorson trilogy to you years ago, you sort of laughed it off. Oh, you're always saying stuff like that, Nightfall. <laughs> you're so adorable. Wax says, can we have a nudist challenge path? As long as I get an accessory that hides my junk, I would argue that having an accessory that hides your junk makes you the opposite of a nudist. Yeah. Uh, Erich says, one, multi-use lollipop sticks for recipes. You know, when I said I was going to do that, some people were like, no, don't do that. And I was like, oh. oh. Okay. Number two, when you feed your comma the cloop equipment, the message you get when it wears off is asterisk, 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 asterisk. I'm sure that's unintended, but a couplet that's completely starred out would be pretty funny. Well, you could just pretend there was a line break in between the first three and the second three asterisks. I did. Uh, I fixed that, though. Okay. Yeah, that seems like it had had placeholder hat rack code put in it, maybe? I don't know. When I looked at it, there was nothing in there. Huh. For, but there wasn't anything for the eating of it, either. Oh, weird. Uh, also, either way. Uh, number three. Slash count D4 and other two character dice doesn't work. Yeah, that keeps coming up, and I keep... I keep should asking C.D. Moyer about that because uh, I don't know why that restriction exists. I think it was to avoid like you also can't slash count E because then it would say that matches too many things like a pair of letters although you could type I-N-Y slash count I-N-Y and that's going to match way too many things um, but I almost feel like almost any pair of letters would match too many things except maybe like X-Q or <laughs> D4. I mean, slash count NG. Yeah. You know what? There's probably no reason not to do it. So. Anyway, Mailbox had a suggestion for a final undersea reward that, to make it compelling and an item that sits in your inventory and gives you extra adventures at rollover. No, no, no. We got, we got that part under control. Uh, Diabolico writes a long post about what he finds satisfying about uh, challenge paths versus what he doesn't find satisfying about the ones that he doesn't like and he says he figured it out 
What I have enjoyed most about the challenge path so far has been the trickle of new storyline information. In Bees Hate You, we learn just a little bit more about the guy made of bees through the new final boss encounter. In Way of the Surprising Fist, we garner significant amounts of new information, including a justification for the presence of the ninja snowman, who have thus far been left completely unexplained, and we get to find out more about the black market guy, among other bits of brand new fist lore. Mm-hmm. So yeah, when we make shit up that involves existing content, uh, people like that. Some people like that. I mean, it's you know, it's cool. I I think that the fact that some people like some challenge paths more than others indicates that we're doing a good job of having a variety of challenge paths that are appealing to a variety of different play styles, and. Um, you know, I, I hope that I hope that we can continue, right? Because you know, we were talking about the next challenge path, and some of the guys in Dev were like, you know, this is probably going to be pretty polarizing. Like, there are going to be some people who see the restrictions on this and think, "Fuck that! I don't want to play this at all." And then there are going to be some people who are like, "Woo! This is going to be fun." But exactly the same thing is true of Trendy, and there's a lot of people who really like it. And it, I don't know, to hear them talk, it's a pretty interesting competitive environment um, in Trendy right now and that's fucking great i like i love the fact that there is suddenly like some question about the right way to go about this leaderboard run attempt you know like that's a that's a thing that takes people who are really enthusiastic about the game and gives them a new outlet for their enthusiasm and it's awesome because i i remain pretty convinced that while Capitulating to the whining of a dedicated but minority segment of the population who are inclined to whine about a lot of stuff, you're not necessarily doing the right thing, but by keeping a dedicated minority extremely excited about a thing to the greatest extent that you can, you create a certain amount of infectious excitement that, in general, like... So let's just like extrapolate this out. In general, when when speed run dick stabbers are the happiest with KOL, that is the times when the general tone of gameplay discussion is the best and the most satisfying and the least depressing to me. Uh-huh. You know, and it's not because we should spend all of our time making the loudest, you know, the squeakiest wheels greasier. It's that like you know, there are social dynamics at play that are meaningful. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Unwanted says, piggybacking on Nightball's question, how about a mount slot just as a cool feature to keep our flying yetis or any future world event mount around? Or would it just be the thin edge of the wedge to ridiculous power creep as people insisted they actually did something? I mean, I think I would want them to actually do something if we did. (laughs) You know, I do like the idea of having mounts in this game because mounts are sort of humorously irrelevant in a game with no meaningful travel restrictions. Right, with a map that teleports you anywhere you need to go. Yeah. Um, You know, and then it's like, well, what would make sense in there? Well, I guess the car would make sense as a mount. Right. (laughs) Um the, the Yeti would. Can you also take the Yeti to... But then, so then, like, if the Yeti is a mount, can you also get to the island on the Yeti? Yes. Who knows, buddy? Who knows? <laughs> um, I think all of the things that let you get to the shore are quest items at this point, right? Like, isn't the bus pass a quest item? 
Let me look. Isn't it? Perhaps. Where is it? What the hell? Where do you get that thing? For I thought market. it was in the demon market. Yeah. Maybe I already have one under? Huh. Yeah, I don't know. What the hell? How do I not even know how this game works? Yeah. <laughs> uh, let me look. I uh, Desert bus. Now I look in my shit, and yes, it is a quest item. So, yeah. That's weird. Also, a bus pass doesn't make sense as a mount. Unless it's a bus pass that is also a horse. <laughs> it's a horse with a bus pass tattooed onto it. That makes sense. It's brand. It's got yeah. It's got a QR code branded on it. That's like yeah. Uh, let's see some other people saying some things. Uh, Mr. Adventurer, uh, where are you guys at on the revamp for a level eight quest? Uh, making meaningful progress every day for uh, every weekday for the last six. So far, I've got I've got a grid full of smiley faces about the McLarge huge revamp. Um, that is getting exceedingly close to playable, and then it's going to be a couple days of art and writing, and then it's going to be ready to go, unless Dev discovers some accidental way in which I've made it so you can finish it on only four turns or something, which it might. Uh, Dracon eighty two says I found out about the Master Theorem from the radio show. Any thoughts regarding its abrupt end? I mean, we are extremely lucky uh, that we make something that people care about enough to give us money for it, and it allows us to be our full-time job. I think the guy that was making the Master Theorem was doing that in his spare time, and the thing about spare time is that if you go down to the grocery store and say, hey, can I trade some of this spare time for food to keep me alive, they will say no. Yeah. Uh, we, we only take money here. Unless you want to use your spare time becoming a bag boy. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I'm assuming that that guy just can't do it anymore, and that sucks. It sucks that the internet has created a world where the fact that something is popular and beloved of thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people does not mean that that's a viable thing for that guy to spend his life making. Um, you know? Yeah, we we are extreme. We are extremely lucky to have a video game because a video game is a thing that people are willing to spend some money in. But you know, I mean, I look at the work that the guys put into the into overthinking it dot com, and like they're just never going to make any money off of that, yeah. right? And it's like, the, the, like if Homestar Runner hadn't sold as many shirts as they did, which they basically did via volunteer labor from their parents, they wouldn't have been able to do that for a living. And it's like, it's fucking sucks, you know. But if they had said, oh, each new Strong Bad email costs a dollar, everybody would be like, fuck you guys. Yeah. I'm never going back there again. Yeah. I feel it. Internet. Well, it looks like we got into uh, yep. number 13. Pay money for everything. If you, if you enjoy something on the internet and you don't give the person who made it money, that's the same as stealing. That was that, uh, that, that uh, I think it was a cyanide and happiness that I... Uh, that I linked to in dev today, which was like a guy saying to it, it was like pre-internet and a guy saying to a kid, Hey, do you want to buy these drugs? And the kid says, no, I don't believe in using drugs. And then post internet, Hey, do you want to buy these drugs? And the kid said, no, I don't believe in buying things. <laughs> I don't like buying things. It makes me nervous. Uh, Hey, what do you say we get off this here radio? Sure. 
All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thank you very much for tuning in. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. <laughs>